Welcome back to Living Corporate. My name is Ate Aracina. Today with us, we have the awesome, amazing, talented Anthony D. Mays. Um, right for the third. <laughs> the, the man, the myth, the legend. Please, Anthony, tell us all about yourself. Sure. So I am a software engineer at Google and the founder of MorganLatimer.com, a new firm that I just started uh, to help people who are interested in getting into uh, tech, learn what they need to do to pass the interviews. So I've been working at Google for five years, and that's uh, I tell everybody that's five years longer than I thought that I'd be working at Google uh, as a foster care from the hood. Um you know, who went through some difficult times. I just never imagined that I'd have the opportunity to work at a place like Google. And so now that I'm there, I'm trying to help um, lift out a hand to everyone else uh, from my community yeah, and, and from other communities. That's, that is dope. Like, could you talk us through how you, you got there? Um, we were, oh, I was doing some quick um, LinkedIn stalking and noticed that you uh, transitioned from consulting to writing to Google like what was that transition like what took how did life take you through all these different spaces yeah so for me it started in college as I was pursuing my computer science degree at the University of California Irvine I was approached by Google Google recruiter and given the application to apply for an internship I took the application and threw it in the trash uh, (laughs) almost immediately wow uh, because I just I just didn't see myself fitting in. Uh, I, I, I wasn't doing stellar in school. I had horrible math grades. Didn't find a computer science, but I just didn't think that I had what it took to, um, to rise to the caliber of what I thought a Google engineer would be. Uh, I didn't have a conception of what a Google engineer was, uh, and other than what I saw in movies and TV shows, right. uh, where, where you know, typically these are predominantly white Asian guys who have the money to transform their basement into a computer lab and to uh, innovate and all these kinds of things. You know, these, these are people who could afford to drop out of college. I could definitely not afford to drop out of college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I did the best I could in terms of securing internships and jobs after that and did do some time uh, consulting. And, uh, yeah, I, I got a call in 2011 from Google who, you know, they reached out and wanted me to interview, and I had no idea how to to interview with Google. Like, I didn't have mother, brother, sister, cousin, uncle, friend uh, who had done that before. So I went in trying to prepare as best as I could, but ultimately failed because I was prepared to answer brain teasers, uh, and that's not what I got right. uh, in the real interview experience. So uh, I got called another two times by Google recruiters. Both times I said no. Uh, but that last recruiter changed that no to a yes. Um, and I, I uh, appreciate uh, her so much uh, because she understood that I was coming from a place that uh, most people don't come from and that I needed the extra encouragement. And so uh, with her with her encouragement and just working hard, studying every day for about a month, I was able to secure a job at Google. And after I joined Google, it wasn't like everything was perfect. Right. I really struggled with the imposter syndrome. I struggled with this idea that no matter what people were telling me, I was different. Right. I couldn't trust even positive feedback. 
because sure, you might think that I'm doing a good job today, but how do you know that I'm going to be able to rise to the occasion tomorrow? So I struggled with that until Google released their diversity numbers, in which case I sort of woke up to this idea that the reason why I felt such discomfort was because I didn't see people who looked like me, who came from where I come from. I had no frame of reference and I felt like I was floating in this new foreign world um, without uh, having a good sense of direction. Um, and so determined to make sure that the next generation of technologists wouldn't have to deal with things the way that I dealt with them, uh, I began to dedicate myself with Google support and with Google's help towards reaching this community and doing as much as I could to share my own story, but then also point people to the reality of what it, what it's like to be me or to be like me and work in this space mm. um, with, with all of the opportunities, benefits and challenges that, that come with that. And you, you just mentioned um, with Google support, how did you kind of scaffold the support that you needed and how did Google support you um, within that context, both as your own, um, as your own individual, um, as you grew your, tra- your career trajectory, and then as you started to reach out to your, to your community to breach that divide of what a technologist looks like? So it started with, uh, the site director in my office um, and the the site director sort of identified me very early on as someone who might be inclined to um, lead uh, this office initiative that we had uh, called Giving Week, or not an office initiative, but a Google-wide initiative called Giving Week, where we encourage employees to donate uh, their money towards charitable causes and sure. Google matches. And so uh, I don't know how it was, but the site director, um, I guess, had an eye uh, on me and thought that I would be a good uh, person to lead this this effort. And I thought it was really strange because it was only my first year and um, I don't know what they saw in me, but it was like the first official vote of confidence from someone within the company uh, around my skills and abilities. And so I went and led that uh, event for the office. And as part of that, I sponsored an organization myself, Inroads. Inroads was the company that helped me to secure my first internship and my first job in tech. And, you know, in, in seeking to honor uh, that organization, I shared my life story. And that story went from my office to going viral all across the company. And we're talking yeah. about offices all over the world. Yeah. And... That was the first real signal to me that people within the company, at the least, cared about my narrative and what I had accomplished in becoming a software engineer at Google. And so um, that led to some other opportunities to demonstrate leadership and to to lead various initiatives. Um, PR reached out to me uh, one day and asked if I might be willing to write up an article about my journey in tech and, and about the challenges that I'd overcome. And they, uh, you know, I wrote it all up and they helped to edit it and make sure that my English and grammar were on point. Yeah. And they helped to connect me with uh, the Huffington Post. And so that article ended up getting published in the Huffington Post. And now all of a sudden my, my impact is spreading from, from uh, beyond Google right. to the outside world. And so I began to reluctantly 
uh, understand that that my story and my journey really was worth telling, not just within Google, but also outside. And so I've, I've grown to understand that my narrative is, is a powerful one. And, and one that is powerful because it proves what can be done. Um, it, it proves what can be accomplished right. when someone who looks like me and comes from where I have come from is able to persevere and to, to get into this space that traditionally haven't, hasn't been occupied by folks uh, like me. Right. Um, I, I just wanted to, to share that that was the, the first time I, I heard of you was the, the video that went viral. Um, mm. And it was, in, it was inspirational for me personally, because I'm, I'm doing the self-taught thing. Um, and it started very much as a lark. Uh, I, I had, um, I had just gotten out of a terrible relationship, moved back uh. in with my mom. Um, and it was like the eve of my 23rd birthday. And I'm like, I have to change something. Uh, and I had just a few months before that I had, um, attended this class, um, that is, you know, directed, it's a a space for women and and non-binary folks to just learn literally just printing hello world in Python. Um, and I had this rinky dink computer that did not last six months, um, but it was just so empowering to, to figure things out. Cause again, I'm, I'm one of those people kind of like you who never thought math was my thing. Um, I have a, a story about being in a math classroom and the, the, the instructor looked at me and told me that I did not belong there. Right. Like all of these different ways and places, um, wow. points in time where I felt I did not belong in STEM, um, and just being able to to hear your story was incredibly empowering for me. Um, and I think I, I revisit your story, your that video once every like six months or something. So <laughs> I know yeah, I said I was I was fangirling before before we started recording, but I'm so serious, fangirling. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I think I think uh, I too have to look at that video every six months or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, one to remind myself that it happened, and, and two. Um, to remember that there is value in the things that I've endured and that I have a mission and purpose beyond just writing code. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is such a huge deal too. Um, Zach tries to tell me all the time that, um, I, I hide my light in a lot of ways because it takes, it takes a lot for me to start telling everyone about the things that I, I like to do, uh, that I've accomplished. What advice would you give, you know, budding technologists, um, whatever end of the spectrum they're on, um, about kind of owning, owning that strength, owning that light, being able to hone their ability to talk to people um, about who they, who they are and what they're bringing to the table? So I, I think that's a fantastic question, and it's one that I'll answer in two ways. One, from the perspective of someone who comes from an underrepresented, non-traditional background. Right. When you come from that kind of a background, you have this added burden. Because there aren't many of you in this space. And so the first thing that you become is a bridge into a different world for an entire population of people who have not seen uh, many people like you. Right. And so there's this responsibility to communicate 
between uh, uh, these two different worlds. I, I go to Compton and I talk to kids about what it's like to work in tech. But I go into tech and I talk to people there about what it's like to grow up in the hood as a, as a child. Right. So that so that there's this connection that happens through me and through my experience and through what I share that gives people of both sides visibility. Um, you know, and, and through that visibility, we break down stereotypes, we break down assumptions, we break down biases. Uh, of things, uh, of notions that we formed uh, as a result of watching TV or seeing movies or, or hearing things in the news. Yeah. We break those things down by by bringing our experience to the table and showing that there's a different way, yeah. uh, that there are different people, that we're not just uh, a monolith, whatever group we represent. So so there's that perspective. And, and it's hard. It's a burden. You, yeah. you don't go to work planning on sharing these intimate details of your life but for those of us um, who can we do it because we understand that we are paving the way for the next generation so that when they come in they won't have to have those conversations <laughs> yeah so, so, so there's that perspective but then also from the perspective of someone who does represent the traditional uh, silicon valley um stereotypes or tropes or what have you uh, or, or someone who's well represented i think that's the better way to put it yeah there's a responsibility uh, for those folks to be inviting and inclusive of this new wave of, of talent from these diverse backgrounds and one of the ways that they can do that is to think about the ways in which they have felt differentness and use that as a way to, of connecting with these people who are different. Yeah. And so um, one of the things about where the, the specific Google office in which I work is that there, there really aren't a lot of black people there, which is understandable based upon the area, demographics and all those kinds of things, which means that I can't just rely on people who look like me and come from where I come from in, in terms of like partnering with people to pursue positive change. I've yeah. got to reach people who don't look like me and invite them to the conversation so that they will join me in the work. Right. And so one of the things that I've emphasized a lot is helping people who don't think that they have a narrative, who don't think that they have that light, convincing them that they do and, and convincing them to share the, 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 um, where they've come from. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, Anthony, I didn't grow up in the hood like you. And I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter have to grow up in the hood Did, have you um, experienced any kind of poverty in your life have you dealt with a difficult situation before have you ever felt like an outsider uh, were you um, always part of the in crowd or was there a time when you weren't right. if you can identify that situation then you know what it's like to be me even if it even if it hasn't been for a lifetime even if it's just been for a moment you can take that moment and begin to to build the empathy necessary to engage in meaningful, thoughtful conversation. Right. And, and that's important. And, and that's why and I think that's one of the, the most inclusive ways to bring everyone into the conversation. Um, this, this is the way that you reach groups who aren't black or brown or uh, female or, or what have you, right? That, that's how you reach them. 
is by helping them understand that it's not about being in one or more protected classes. It's about being human. Right. And as humans, we've all dealt with the situation of not um, being like everyone else in one way or another. I, I just want to like snap my fingers, but I can only snap my, <laughs> I can only snap my one finger. So I'm just going <laughs> to, uh, on, on my one hand, um, additional, additional question. Um, it sounds like you've spent a lot of time, um, not just honing your technical craft, but, um, um, spending a lot of time being very intentional about how you engage um, in these different worlds. Uh, what is right. the greatest lesson you've learned so far as you define yourself in these spaces? I, I think that's a really good question. And uh, you're, you're going to catch me in a, in, very, in a very honest moment <laughs> because <laughs> I haven't thought about this quite before. I think one of the things that I've learned more than anything else, and this may be surprising, but... It has to do with the sufficiency of my faith, mm. uh, the sufficiency of my faith. And what, what I mean by that is the most important identity that I cling to as a human being isn't um, my blackness or, you know, the fact that I'm from Compton and from the hood or, or even that I'm a Googler. My, my most important identity is my identity in Christ, my identity as a Christian. And I've brought that worldview and way of thinking to everything that I do. Yeah. It drives my hard work and my pursuit of excellence in the work that I do because I want to be a good representative as a Christian and a good representative of Christ. But one of the reasons why I'm so keen on being inclusive of everyone, because at least according to the Bible that I read, all people are made in the image of God. Right. And that has helped me to have the proper mindset and attitude with, uh, with regards to how I deal with people, even those who are different than me. Because we have that common bond of dignity okay. and, 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 and that common uh, uh, sense of value. And so because of that, I'm not thinking about specifically how do I help just these people. Or, or, and it's true that folks who are underrepresented and come from non-traditional backgrounds do need a little bit more help than, than the rest of us. Right. Um, be, because of any number of reasons, whether that's systematic oppression or whether that. The, the, the failures of, uh, of our parents or the generations beforehand, whatever that may be, you know, some, some, some additional help is needed in, in some cases. I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't, but it's not to be at the expense of that sense of common dignity that we all share. So right. it's, for me, it's never about putting down one group so I can bring another one up. Right. And I think that people have reacted strongly to, um, to that approach. Um, to, to the approach of, of genuinely trying to be inclusive and respectful, respectful of everyone. Um, I think there was a time, and, and there still is a time, particularly in, in today's divisive American politics, where um, you, you can't talk about your agenda and your platform without putting the other party down, without putting people who are different from you down. Yeah. And it has just led to these deep and lasting fissures in our uh, in our society, and it, it it just it doesn't help because if you haven't I say this all the time if you haven't solved inclusion for 
everybody, you haven't solved it for anybody. Right. Because systems of oppression and discrimination and bias, they don't die, they just move. They just trans they just transform. Uh, you know, much like energy itself does. Right. And 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 so I'm I'm looking for enduring solutions. I'm looking for real answers. And again, I just bring this back home. I, I've relied on my faith and um, and the things that I've learned from the Bible and from the Word of God to drive how I do things. And it's and it's great to know that I haven't had to change my faith or deviate from those principles that I grew up on in order to be effective at, at what I do. Uh, I feel like I have to like take a second every time <laughs> you finish speaking so I can like internalize, internalize that. Um, you just spoke about um, help and how folks from underrepresented minorities will need extra help. I know personally I struggle with asking for help and that's, that's in everything that I do. I would, there, there was a time where I would much rather like chew my own arm off than like ask for help or say that I'm struggling with right. anything. Um, how do you know that you need help and what are the ways or how, how do you reach out for, for help and who do you trust to reach out for help? That's like a, a three parter. So if I, if you need sure. to repeat it, let sure. me know. No, it, it, I'm no, I mean, I connect with that immediately because one of the first things that I had to learn getting to Google was how to ask for help. Yeah. You're surrounded by people who are so incredibly smart that you feel like your own sense of intelligence and, um, and knowledge pales in comparison. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, my thinking was that as soon as I admit that I need help, I've now also admitted that I'm inferior. But of course, this is a misguided thing, right? It, it's a misguided thing to think that way. When in reality, we all need help with something. We can't be experts in everything. And so um, we've got to get real about the fact that there are things that we don't know. Yeah. When we acknowledge that, then we can reach out and, and, and ask for for help and, and derive benefit from being in a team with other smart people. <laughs> so, I, and I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, and it took a while for me to understand that I was letting, I kept rehearsing in my mind, my differentness yeah. and making yeah. the focus of how I engage with everyone else, as opposed to thinking about how I'm similar to them. Mm. Instead of thinking about what's in common. And I began to learn this because I started asking people like, I started asking people questions. And you know they would have the nerve to tell me that they don't know. <laughs> you don't know this? I just really. <laughs> and but they would know where to look. And um, and they would sit down with me. Okay, let's try this or let's try that. And and one of the most important things that that I had to learn to do when asking for help was to before I asked the question to admit what I had tried. Already, and this is a this is a, a really important interviewing tip too. Yeah. Right. Um, you need to try things, and then when it seems that you you're not able to move forward, 
that's when you ask for help and you make sure to say, okay, I've been trying these things and, and the part that I'm confused about is this. So, so that, that's what, uh, that, that's what helped. And, uh, for, fortunately for me and, and particularly at Google, I work on a great team and just part of the company culture is about being helpful and thoughtful and, and working in a team and making sure that we have the humility to to serve one another yeah. and it, it sometimes it works better than at other times um it, it it's nothing that we're anywhere near perfect on but uh, more often than not when i've asked for help or from, from assistance I, i've very rarely ever been disappointed uh, as a matter of fact i've always been surprised at how quickly people will drop what they're doing to assist and to help and I think it's because we all know that we've been there. We, we've been right. in a situation where we didn't know what to do next and, um, and need to be helpful. And, and it always pains me when I talk to someone uh, who, who, you know, comes from an underrepresented background and they're talking about these horrible experiences that they've had at companies where they've tried to ask a question and they were put down and they were discouraged. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> and... You know, it really breaks my heart. And this is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm so much of an advocate, not just of people getting into tech, but specifically people getting to Google. And not to say that Google doesn't have their dirt, but um, I've, I've been very fortunate in my career at every place that I've worked, really, not just at Google, to be surrounded by people who genuinely were supportive and cared about um, helping me to get from, from one place to another. Um, yeah, and so I'm, I'm thankful for all of that encouragement along the way. So, yeah, per perhaps it's been a little bit easier for me than it has been for um, other people, uh, depending upon where they've been. Uh, I thank God for that. I, I kind of want to ask a, a more general question because we've been asking or talking through a more tech-focused question. But in general, you know, for, for folks who are um, underrepresented minorities, sometimes you you don't have guideposts, right? Um, you don't necessarily know when, how far you've come, um, how to measure your progress. How do you assess your personal progress? How do you adjust when you feel you're not making as much progress as you should? And I, I understand that you're probably going to give me a, um, a response within the context of tech, but anyway, that you can, you can provide some yeah. advice, but I'd love that. So, you know, one of the things that's been a key principle to live by is, is having an attitude of gratitude yeah. and gratefulness and thanksgiving. When you're someone like me who's come from growing up as a foster kid, a former physical and sexual abuse victim, there's so much that I have to be thankful for as I've think about my life now versus what it was back then. And yeah. and even and I'm even grateful that those situations happened because if they hadn't happened I wouldn't be where I am right. today. And so one of the things that happens is that we lose that sense of gratitude and thanksgiving for the incremental progress that we make. Mm. Um and, and I, I I generally address that by asking people a series of questions. Um, you know, things like, did you get a high school degree? 
Yeah. Um, did your was your GPA okay? <laughs> did you go to college? Yeah. Are you passing your classes? Um, did you get at least an A on something? You know, did you graduate? Were you the first to graduate from your family? Did you get a job? Do you still have that job? <laughs> right. right? Um, you know, th there's just all of these things that um, that we minimize, and it, it, it's not even that we minimize; it's that is that we forget, right? We don't. We're not good at keeping track of the progress that we make. You know, I think one of the reasons why I post on Instagram and, and Twitter and all that stuff, it isn't so much for other people as it is for me to like in a month's time just go back and review and because I always tell myself like what have I done today? Like what have I done for me today? <laughs> what what have I done to help somebody uh, today? And the other thing too that's been dangerous. So I've talked about having a sense of gratitude, which you absolutely have to have. But the other thing that, that you need to do is to reframe how you think about yourself. And you need to reframe how you think about yourself in such a way that you stop comparing yourself to other people and start to understand who you are and, and how you fit in. Um, focusing on your strengths and what you bring to the table. A lot of times it takes uh, other mentors and champions yeah. to see that in us and to be honest about uh, what they see. But even in the absence of that, I, I think it's important for all of us to understand that, you know, again, we're made in the image of God. And when we put ourselves down, um, we... It's a criticism of God Himself. Right. Let's put it that way. And um, uh, and and you know, so we have a we have intelligence. We have uh, the ability to think and to reason, and we have the ability to do good. That's how we've been made, and 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 so understanding that it's important for us to use our our gifts talents and abilities in a way that's going to be a positive influence on humanity um you know pride can be such a killer thing and, and it's, it's one of the things, when i talk about downsides because there are downsides we're going to google and downsides we're working in tech one of the biggest downsides is that it's just so full of pride yeah the, the culture is full of pride people are full of pride and i again i think that um, a lot of the googlers that i've that i have met you know do better than most but even then there is this sense of pride in, in thinking we can do anything with technology right. well, no you can't that's not that's not really true um you know there are some problems that you just can't throw technology out to fix it um you know, there, there isn't an app that's going to fix uh, thousands of years of discrimination and bias and slavery and all those kinds of things that human beings are really good at. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we've got to we've got to confront that pride and realize that it's about working harder. It's about having the humility to to realize that you don't know everything. Right. Um, and, and that you've got to take steps that are comfortable for you uh, to make progress little by little.
um, and, and do that. Again, so I know that's a long answer. <laughs> no, no. Uh, again, fantastic uh, answer there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out that, and that'll be like my my last you know semi heavy question for for our conversation. But um, how would you recommend people like junior aspiring, whatever you want to call us? How would you recognize that people reach out to find um, mentors? One thing that I, I realized is that it's tech is no fun when you do it by yourself, um, especially when you are are coming from a non traditional background. If you're self taught, if you're in a boot camp, it, like whatever your circumstances may be, if you're isolated. It's really, really, it's awful. <laughs> like I went through a period where uh, for like a period of seven months, I was just like beating up on myself every day for not knowing very, very basic things. And it mm-hmm. took me finding um, somebody I could just like sit beside and have a conversation with who was saying something like he would literally sit beside me and like Google to make sure that he had the right, the right answer before he told me himself. Um, mm-hmm. And just having that sort of relationship has been a huge boost for me. Um, right. How would you, you recommend others seek out um, a relationship that is as affirming with someone who has a little bit more time in the industry um, or who is seeking to get into the industry? So I think there are three things to that. Um, and I'm just going to spit them out quick fire. And then you can remind me of, of <laughs> what these sure. bullet points are. Uh, the, the first thing is, is be friendly. Yeah. The second thing yeah. is to understand that people love to talk about themselves. Right. And the third thing is to offer a little bit of yourself in exchange. So let me unpack those three things. First of all, I'll start with people love to talk about themselves. So, a lot of times a great mentoring relationship can start with you just asking, how did you get to where you are? Yeah. And you don't say anything else. You just listen. And if their answer seems a little short, well, tell me a little bit more about this thing or that thing or whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's generally, it generally tends to be the case that people love to talk about themselves or they enjoy it enough that you can enter into a conversation and a dialogue with them pretty easily. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it can start with, and you know, you, you, you can offer to buy someone coffee or sit with them at lunch or however it is, make it as easy as, as you can. Uh, but you start with that, you know, how did you get to be where you are and, and make sure that they understand that you appreciate exactly where they are. Because yeah. a lot of people are going to say, well, I'm not the CEO or I'm not the CIO or I'm not a VP or exactly whatever it is. He said, I don't care. I, I just want to know how you got to where you are. Because if there's anything that I know about where you are, it's that I'm not there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, I, and I'm trying to get there. So you start there. People love to talk about themselves. And if, when, if you give them an opportunity, generally folks will take it. Um, the second thing 
give a little bit of yourself. Uh, so, a lot of times, uh, people will reach out to me and they will say, you know, Anthony really inspired me. I just want to share a little bit about where I come from. And, you know, it's, it's especially enduring when people are like, I haven't told anybody this before, but I'm going to tell this to you, a perfect stranger in a, in a, a LinkedIn inbox message. Right. But then they proceed to tell me this, just this amazing story of how they've overcome struggle or persevere through challenges or um, put in the effort to uh, to accomplish something. Or maybe they're even still trying. You know, they've put their application out there a hundred times and gotten a hundred no's. Yeah, I appreciate when people do that. And when you share something substantial about yourself, it encourages this exchange where now I feel that I need to share a part of myself or return. Right. And, um, you know, when you're asking someone from, for mentorship, you, you are asking them to give up something of themselves, um, to be honest about who they are and, and how they've gotten to be where they are. And I think it's only appropriate that you mimic that, that you model that yourself, right? By being honest about where you, you've come from. It, it is not about, soliciting someone's pity it's it's about making those basic connections that allow us to to communicate and to be honest with one another so um so you have to be ready to to give give up a little bit of yourself um last thing be friendly um you you have to um you, you have to do some basic things like being courteous, like saying hello to people, uh, <laughs> like uh, putting yourself in situations where you are around other people. Yeah, I, I get to mentor interns that come and work at Google and that work in tech. And one of the things that I harp on over and over and over again is you can't just go and hide out and stay by yourself and think that you're going to get mentorship and help and support from the people who are around you. Um, I've said to some people, like, you need to just take a laptop and sit behind your boss's chair and just be there, you know, and, and make sure that they know that, that you're there and that you're looking for, for help and guidance. It's important for you to do that because people aren't going to go out of their way to hunt you down, to mentor you. You've got to make it known and, and you've got to be the kind of person that can, you know, uh, show people that you can have a respectful conversation and be polite and those kinds of things but yeah be friendly be welcoming be warm uh you know find ways that you can mentor other people because i guarantee you 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 can probably mentor someone else in in one way shape or form it doesn't have to be a one-year thing a three-year thing whatever you can mentor someone for a week you know or or for even a couple hours where you just spend some time with them right and um and a lot of times by demonstrating that to yourself, you'll run into other people who are also mentors. And uh, yeah, it, it just can be a great thing. I, I, lo- I personally love just striking up conversations with people at the lunch tables. You know, um, I, I, I don't have to have ever met them ever before in my life. 
Uh, but I will walk up and say, hey, perfect stranger, I noticed that you also work on my floor. Uh, what do you do? How are things going? You know, do you enjoy what you do? Do you imagine staying there for, oh, hey, by the way, you know, I'm, I'm new in the game. Is there some wisdom that you can share with me? And before you know it, you've got this mentor, mentoring relationship established. Right. So, <laughs> and, and, and many companies nowadays, particularly in tech, have formal mentorship programs, which you can seek out or you can ask an, an HR representative um, to, to um, provide a list of, of mentorship programs that are available to the company. There's also mentorship programs outside the company. Uh, there's there's um, organizations like Dev Color, for instance, which op operates in the Bay Area in, in New York and certain markets, uh, where they um, form a community of engineers of color who are helping each other out. Uh, you know, and there's others too, of course, in other uh, markets and other verticals and what have you. Uh, but, you know, in an age where you've got Google, there's no excuse to at least not look for them. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, um, that's really great advice. I've actually never heard anybody say to offer a bit of yourself. Um, it's always felt like, or I've always felt like as the person who's like seeking help as little of me speaking as possible <laughs> is ideal um and I never considered the flip side of well if you're asking people to tell you about themselves then you should be willing to share something of yourself as well um it's perfectly straightforward yeah. now that you say it but <laughs> yeah. and again you know what I bring as a as a diverse person or as, as someone who comes from a different background than what you traditionally find, I bring a perspective. I bring something of value. My differentness isn't a liability. It's an asset. Yeah. And so being, being able to bring my perspective to the table and my way of thinking and my worldview to a conversation, it, it, it can be meaningful. And so, you know, I need to be prepared yeah. to be honest about you know, why I think the way that I think and, and where that comes from. Because maybe, just maybe, there is an insight that I can contribute that causes someone to think differently about something that uh, was previous to my talking to them a long-held belief. Right. So, you know, there's... Mentorship isn't a one-way thing. It is a two-way street in which both parties can derive great benefit from the relationship. Um, but you as the mentee need to think about how you bring value to the table, okay. right? Um, and, and, and how you're going to thoughtfully and sincerely work hard to respond to the feedback you receive and show positive results, right? So. Um, you know, if, if you're a mentee working with a mentor, one of the most important things you need to do is to keep in touch with your mentor and let them know how you're making progress. Let them know what successes you've had, where right. you stumbled, what wins you have, those kinds of things. That That's a way for you to pay back what you've received in that mentoring relationship. One of the interesting things I've done is I've gone and basically Googled every single teacher and mentor that I've had. To at least tell them thank you one time before I die. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, tracking them down on Facebook or on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever. Just to call them up and say, you helped me in middle school by teaching me what the WWW means in a web address. And I want to say thank you. 
because now I work as a software engineer at Google as one of the 1% who are black and in the technical role. You had a hand in that. That's incredibly and, and important. Then, yeah, absolutely. Because then guess what? It, it, it teaches them that what they did had value. And, and that's not something that we always understand in the moment. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea when I, when I share my life with someone how it's going to impact them a decade from now. Right. I go and do school tours and talk in classrooms. I have no idea how many of those kids will decide to go get a computer science degree because they met me. I have no idea. I wish I could know because then I could document it somewhere and, and, and put it on my performance review. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not possible. And, and I don't need that either because my ancestors, uh, who I talk about a lot, you know, the, the, those figures in black history, uh, that, that history proper <laughs> seems to have forgotten. Right. Um, you know, people like Garrett A. Morgan, Louis Latimer, Benjamin Banneker, George Washington Carver, yeah. Madam C.J. Walker, you know, these are, these are folks that you, you, you don't hear about their names often. But they were pioneers and engineers and, and innovators and, and patent, patented uh, inventors who paved the way for me to sit in the seat that I sit in. Right. And they didn't know that I would be where I am. They didn't live to see the benefit of all the sacrifices they made. Every day I think about the fact that if they were comfortable doing Doing what they did, knowing that they might not see the fruit of their labor, I should be too. I have goosebumps, by the way. Like you can't see me, um, but I have goosebumps. <laughs> that that was such an incredible statement to make. Um, I I feel like I now need to like draft handwritten letters to every <laughs> single one of like the teachers who inspired me. God. Okay. I'm like, I'm giving myself homework after this, after this conversation. Two last questions. Um, and then, and then we'll, we'll end our conversation. Um, first, what advice do you have for a first time attendee for a conference? I'm going to Strange Loop, um, in St. Louis and it's going to be my first conference. That, well, my second conference that I'm attending, but, the first one doesn't count. Whatever. <laughs> it's going to be the first conference I attend um, where, where I feel like a technical person. Because every other time I've ever been to a conference, it, it's, I've, it's almost felt voyeuristic. Um, and like I was an imposter. But now I'm going with like the full intention of like in, immersing myself in workshops. And I'm super excited about the Elm Conference. And I don't even recognize myself anymore. But <laughs> what advice do you have <laughs> um, for for someone attending yeah. a conference for the first time? So, so the first thing I would say is, is network. Be yeah. intentional about meeting as many people as you can and learning about who they are, where they come from, how to keep in touch, and, and actually follow up. Yeah. Um, you know, especially as you start to attend more and more conferences, you'll start to see some some of the same people yeah, <laughs> and uh, and you can build great enduring relationships that way uh, as well as connections uh, that will take you into different companies and into different industries even so you know take that opportunity to 
to to network and to find uh, commonalities with other people, right? Uh, yeah. Shared interests, shared goals, strategies. See how they may be doing things differently. Learn from that. Investigate. So, so definitely do that. And, and again, I'm the kind of person that will go and sit down at some random table full of strangers and ask every single one of them to drop some wisdom on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you may be inclined to do the same. So, I think that's the first thing. Second thing is, you know, if you're attending a workshop, sit up in the front or near the front. Make sure okay. that they see you. Make sure that you you have um, no way to check out. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you can sit back and fall asleep and no one would know, right? Right. But it's different when you're sitting in the front. There's that added pressure of like, I really got to pay attention. I really, uh, I really need to be focused. So, so sit in the front or at least sit in the middle. Right. Um, so, so that you're, you're soaking it and soaking it up. I, I think that's just a, when I went to orientation week at Google, I sat in the front of basically every single one of my orientation classes. <laughs> okay. Because I, I wanted them to know that I was, was there and I wanted to make sure that I couldn't just uh, walk out and disappear. Right. So, I, I mean, me to be that's, that's a huge deal in and of itself because I, I'm going to be in, um, a Kubernetes Kubernetes workshop and I don't know the first thing about Kubernetes and I am right. terrified and in like my brain is already like so sit near the back near the door so we have an extra strategy in case things go left <laughs> oh, oh. sit up the front and say I don't know Kubernetes but you're about to explain it to me right now <laughs> <laughs> fair and, and make them teach you okay uh, you know, I, I think it's in, I think it's important to do that. Um, you know, is there another tip that I have for attending the, uh, the conference? Don't be afraid to learn more about things that you think have no relation to um, things that you care about. Right. Because uh, you might be surprised uh, at, at what you find. Um, I remember attending um, an AI in medicine conference. You know, artificial. Uh, it was a conference about the intersection between artificial intelligence and medicine. Yeah. And I don't know anything about the medical world. I don't know much about um, AI even. Right. But I thought it was uh, it was interesting to talk to some of the vendors and uh, talk to some of the folks in that space. One of the gifts uh, that you get from working in technology is that technology is ubiquitous everywhere everyone needs use to use technology in one way or another right. um, particularly computers and so there, there's an opportunity to get into anything doing what you do uh, as a software engineer as a coder as a, a product manager, what have you uh, everybody needs tech and so there's a lot of opportunity for you to learn you know, how is tech used in this arena versus that arena? What is right. that? What, what what do the commonalities between those to teach me about what is possible using technology? So, you know, finding the pattern and taking advantage of uh, those opportunities to, to think through how the work that you do in one space can impact another space is useful. And I, I can tell you, I've worked across a number of different industry verticals. Uh, and I think it's been, I've worked in grocery, in, in retail, I've worked in entertainment, I've worked in banking, yeah. uh, now I work in internet advertising. <laughs> yeah. So, 
um, I've, I've had the opportunity to touch e-commerce. I've touched a number of different industries, and I think I've only grown as an individual by um, by being roundly shaped by mm. these opportunities to work across a number of different um, verticals. It's been fun. Nothing but fun. Okay. Thank you so very much, um, Anthony. Very last question, and then I'll let you go. What's your favorite coding language? Oh, my favorite coding language has got to be JavaScript. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love JavaScript because it is it is so dangerous. Like Wait, what? you're really living <laughs> off the wild side dealing with JavaScript. There are so many quirks and weird things in that language yeah. that you could shoot yourself in the foot multiple times. <laughs> But it's also extremely powerful. It's also extremely accessible, yeah. and it's everywhere. It doesn't matter what I use. I can always open up uh, Chrome and open up those Dev Tools and get right into JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah I, I'd, I'd have, have to agree. Enjoy I'd have to agree. I started with Python, and Python will always have a a special place in my heart, but I definitely consider myself a JavaScript developer. That That is an insane statement. I, I would not have said that out loud a year ago. Just like <laughs> calling myself a JavaScript developer. Wow. Right. That was very yeah, much like an internal thought that came out loud. And yeah. Well, you know, programming is hard. It really is. Um, yeah. Telling computers what to do is, is, it's a challenge, you know, and, and, to be able to learn how to do that and to do it well is, I think, such a gift. And it's something that is also applicable in so many other areas of life. And this yeah. is why we talk about teaching kids STEM and teaching them about computational thinking. Uh, because it doesn't matter whether I'm programming for a computer or whether I'm planning a wedding or whether I'm trying to figure out um, how to organize my garage. Right. They're, they're all problems uh, within a certain domain that require the same kind of problem-solving skills and abilities. Right. And, um, you know, you learn how to break down really advanced, complicated problems into manageable chunks, uh, you know, as a programmer. And, and you know, that it, it's just one of those skills that's highly transferable. Uh, also so many different uh, areas of life you're right you're like i i just i feel warm, warm and fuzzy inside i've had goosebumps <laughs> i've snapped my fingers um i just truly want to thank you for taking the time to like share your wisdom uh this felt like my own personal mentoring session i hope our, our listeners um, have picked up a, a thing or two and I'm sure they have from this conversation um, Anthony before we go do you want to like plug anything you just started um, Morgan Latimer Consulting so would you like to, to talk talk about that really quickly yeah so I'm number one I'm very grateful to serve uh, I know that it doesn't have to be me and but I'm grateful that it is yeah <laughs> and uh, secondly you can find me uh, on all the social medias at Anthony D is in Duane or diversity. Anthony <laughs> D May, M A Y S. Uh, so I'm Anthony D Mays on all the things, or you can just Google me. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you need help with preparing for technical interviews at places like the top fan companies or you know, Google, Amazon, Twitter, what have you, 
you can reach out to me for one-on-one coaching or for uh, coding interview webinars at morganlatimer.com. And I'd be more than happy to uh, help show you the way. You heard him. You heard the man. Find him. Um, thank you so much. Once, once more, I, I feel like I can't, I can't like thank you enough for this conversation. Again, I truly appreciate um, the time and effort that you put into everything that you do, from TechStacked uh, to Morgan Latimer to just like the the different ways that you you share and give of yourself. Truly appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Oh, absolutely. I'm already subscribed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.